Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Toys on Tap. This week, it's a history lesson. We bring on Lev from Toy Tokyo. We hear about how he started in brokering deals and commodities to how he brought over Uze figures and was the first one to do so. Support Toys on Tap. You can like, follow, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get podcasts. You can follow on all socials at Toys on Tap. You want to jump on that Patreon? It's Patreon.com/slash/ToysOnTap. Now let's get to this episode. Lev, I'm so excited to talk to you. I've seen a couple videos um, where you have been in there talking to uh, either Sucklord or. And and just talking about kind of history of this toy scene and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of want to have you kind of tell the history of this toy scene, if you would, today. Okay. Um, so uh, the podcast is Toys on Tap. We usually bring on uh, toy artists, but I want it to be a little different. Um, and so uh, we can actually start now. Okay. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do and who you are? Okay. Yeah. My name is uh, Lev. Everyone calls me Lev and we'll just keep it that way. Um, and uh, I own Toy Tokyo and uh, I started Toy Tokyo uh, or the store opened uh, around 2000. So uh, we've been in New York city, uh, Manhattan, East village for uh, around so going on 23 years. So next year it'll be 24. Um, long, long time. I mean, a lot of stores are uh, out. I think we're probably the only toy store left in town. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is Forbidden Planet, I think. I think they're still around, but um, yeah. That's, that's, that's incredible. Well, yeah. uh, do you think, so if you take us to the beginning of Toy Tokyo and starting it, um, we we can focus on that part for a little bit. Uh, what was the reason you wanted to start Toy Tokyo? Well, the reason is is uh, I needed a name. I was in um, I was living in uh, Tokyo, uh, actually Osaka, <clears throat> and I went to a show in Tokyo, a toy show, and they wanted uh, a name. Um, originally, my store or uh, not a store, but the name of uh, the previous name was uh, It's a Small World. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started It's a Small World around 1985, um, 86. Um, and uh, I didn't want to use a, It's a Small World anymore. So I thought I could call it uh, Tokyo Toy. Uh, but then I was in Japan um, and people said, no, just call it Toy Tokyo. Uh, my friends, you know, gave me that name in a minute. Uh, but I wanted to call it since I was in Tokyo, call it the Toy Tokyo yeah. Uh, Tokyo Toy Store, and they said call it Toy Tokyo, and I used that name to register um, my um, uh, booth, uh, which I had at uh, in uh, Tokyo uh, for the toy show, and uh, that's how it all began. That's so. The year was around uh, maybe nineteen ninety three, something like that. So what's uh, like I'm. Uh, I was born in 1990. So you've had a toy stop or a toy shop or some kind of toy something for the entirety of my life, which is intense. Yeah. 
I started to play some basically uh, when I was in Singapore because um, I, you know, I never never played with toys back in the day. Before I went to Singapore, I uh, did a lot of traveling. Uh, I left the um, I left America in 1968, um, uh, right after the uh, was it the uh, Six Day War? Yeah, uh, Israel. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my parents gave me a one way ticket. Uh, I traveled uh, to London. I went overland with my cousin uh, all the way to Istanbul from uh, London. Uh, many many stops along the way, um, and I. And I went to Israel uh, basically to get out of the Vietnam War. Yeah. I didn't want to go to Vietnam. I uh, didn't want to fight. I wasn't a fighter. Um, yes, I was patriotic, but I wasn't uh, as patriotic to fight for uh, for my country or America uh, in Vietnam. Because I didn't believe in the war. So anyway, I went to uh, Israel um, to become a, a 4D, which is a divinity student. Um, and that's the, the that's the deferment I got for not going to uh, to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually wasn't really so into uh, becoming uh, uh, a rabbi, as you would say. Yeah. Uh, because um, that's that was wasn't my thing. I wanted to uh, enjoy while I was there. So uh, I lived. Um, I I I used to live uh, at the time um, in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. um, and I lived there for about six years. I lived in the old city of Jerusalem. And he's talking about what's going on today, um, you know, in the in the world with uh, with you know with everybody with uh, Hamas and Palestinians and all that. All the Palestinians were my friends. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was the only American living in the old city of Jerusalem, the first American, and that was in 1968. Um, of 1973, I left uh, again. Uh, because uh, there was a war coming. Uh, 1973, I flew from uh, Tel Aviv to uh, Iran. Uh, from Iran, I traveled overland to uh, to uh, Afghanistan. And from Afghanistan to Pakistan. And Pakistan, I went to India. And I traveled in India for one year. So um, I did a lot of traveling in my life. Uh, went back to uh, Chicago. Uh, became a, um, a commodities trader. Uh, I, I, I bought a seat on the International Monetary Market in Chicago, which is called the IMM. And um, I was a trader for a while. Um, and then I went to Singapore, and that's where I first uh, got involved with toys. I bought um, a, uh, a, a transformer called Jazz, and um, that was... Uh, like uh, like a Porsche that I used to own mm -hmm. because um, I bought a Porsche uh, a while back uh, before I got to Israel um, in, uh, in Frankfurt. Actually, I bought a 1968 356C Porsche. Holy moly. And uh, I traveled from uh, Frankfurt to, um, to, um, to Italy and I, um, I shipped that car to Israel. Um, and that was the uh, Porsche that I had. So anyway, when I saw that Porsche Transformer in Singapore, Jazz, I said, wow, this is it. And this could be, you know, this was the beginning of the uh, of my uh, toy, uh, my, my toy thing that I, you know, basically got involved in. Um, I went back to um, uh, Chicago 
And um, I, um, I used to uh, put all kinds of ads in the toy shop magazine. Um, and um, I started the first catalog, which I have over here. It's, uh, it, 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 I put it under because I didn't have Toy Tokyo as a name yet. It's a small world. Yeah, so I started this catalog in 1991. It was the first color catalog um, with uh, all kinds of toys in it. Um, and, you know, it has all the, uh, has a lot of vintage toys because it was 1991. You have robots, Star Wars. I mean, you have, I mean, it's like everything. Here's a little bit of, uh, you know, Japanese. And so again, it was the first color catalog that came out. I had a color and it came with a black and white, the black and white section. That was where all, it had all the descriptions and so on. And, uh, at the time I sold this catalog for $10 and I sold out pretty quickly. Um, and I did very well selling these toys. I mean, you can see robots. Yeah, they're crazy. Star Wars. But that was in 1991. So I've been doing this for a while. So <clears throat> um, I kind of want to take it back a little bit. Yeah. You're you're traveling so much. Like you yeah. have seen the entire world. And not only seen the world, you've seen some of the most hectic parts of the world. And uh, doing all this traveling – when you get to Singapore and you see that one toy, the jazz figure from Transformers, yeah. is that in that moment you realize like this is what I want to do and you buy a bunch of it and bring it? Or in that moment, do you just say like this is awesome and then you decide when you get back to the U.S.? Well, I, I didn't I buy it to resell. I bought it because I liked it. Okay. Uh, I also like just the way it looked. And I thought there uh, there could be a lot um, a lot of transformers um, uh, besides the one that I that I just picked up. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I when I went back to uh, I went back to uh, Chicago because mm -hmm. I was a trader at the time, and that's why I went to Singapore. We opened up the Singapore International Monetary Market uh, in Singapore at the time, and that was um, that was around 1984, as I, I mentioned. Um, when I brought back that jazz, everybody was going crazy. And you know, oh, you know, can you get me that? Can you get that's what I always used to do. I used to get all kinds of things from for you know for um, for friends. Yeah, they uh, asked me to get it, uh, and I thought to myself, well, I can go back there, and I I can see, and maybe I can go back to uh, to Hong Kong, mm -hmm. and uh, that's exactly what I did. Um, in 1989, uh, that was the first time I went to uh, Japan. Um, I went to uh, Osaka, mm -hmm. and um, I believe around 1993, 94, uh, I lived in um, in Osaka for a year, um, and um, I used to go back and forth to Tokyo, and I used to do shows there. I used to drive from Osaka with my friend. Uh, my friend had a store called Mike Company. Mm -hmm. uh, I helped him out. Um, I got him, uh, I got involved in uh, vintage uh, uh, Zippo lighters. I also got involved in uh, Levi's, uh, jeans, biggies. Um, and um, I sold him a lot of, I also got involved in sneakers, believe it or not. Um, I remember the Air Max ones or the first Air Max that came out. Yeah. Uh, at 95, that was the year, Air Max 95s. Um, I, I was able to buy a thousand pair and, um, I sold them to Japan. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like, um, made a market for them in Japan. 
Um, you know, when I was doing that, you know, when I was kind of like trading back and forth, uh, I was doing the clothing. I was also buying toys. Uh, the first toys I ever got involved in uh, after the jazz that I picked up was robots. Mm -hmm. So I became, uh, got involved in robots. It was one of the uh, biggest robot uh, dealers. Um, it was a robot that um, actually I was looking to buy for um, a, a customer of mine. His name is uh, Mark Parker. Mm -hmm. Mark Parker uh, used to be uh, the, um, the CEO of uh, Nike. Okay. Uh, he asked me to help him out uh, with the with his collection, and he asked me to buy. Uh, you know, uh, there was an auction going on for Machine Man. Um, he told me that Machine Man actually is a, a very rare robot. Um, it's a large robot, um, and it's um, very hard to get. But it was being sold at uh, at, a, at an auction. I believe it was Sotheby's. So uh, that was uh, in Japan. I flew to Japan. Just to get in the, uh, just to get the bid in this auction, mm -hmm. he gave me a sixty-two thousand um, dollar maximum price, uh, but unfortunately, uh, it sold for sixty-five thousand, and it sold to um, the son of Sony, and uh, of course, you know, um, I called him so Sony Boy, <laughs> and Sony Boy actually became uh, or was a um, an advertising uh, figure that came out. But it was uh, after the uh, after this uh, Sony boy, which is the son of Sony, and he was the one who bought that robot for sixty five thousand. But um, I didn't know. I didn't. I never met Mark Parker. All I did was uh, talk to him on the phone. Um, it wasn't. We weren't communicating on uh, on messages or whatever from uh, from the iPhone because it wasn't really. There was no iPhone at the time, um, so it was always calling back and forth. I uh, finally met him when I opened up Toy Tokyo uh, 2001. Mm -hmm. He stopped at my store, and that's when I introduced him. Uh, I introduced, believe it or not, the president of Nike to a company called Metacom. Um, is the um, is the, the the company that makes the Bear Bricks. Yeah. So Mark Parker never knew anything about Bear Bricks. Anything he didn't do any know anything about designer toys. So I introduced him to that and that world. And um, and then he became a collector, and he became very close with Metacom. And yep. I believe there's a lot of Nike bear bricks in the in the in the past, and so on. And it was because of me introducing him to this uh, new world that he um, he because uh, he was a major collector. You know, mm -hmm. he collected everything. And I'm sure I'm, I'm sure he still does. But I introduced him to a lot of toys. When you were in Japan and yeah. uh, brokering these types of deals or or trading yeah. commodities, all these things, yeah. um, what was the toy scene like? Uh, I guess globally, in you, you said ninety three. Yeah, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. The toy scene was uh, was amazing because, um, um, well, for me, I mean, it was uh, there was no uh, there was no internet. So for me, I, I, I was the toy, I was the, you know, I brought the toys to America. Mm -hmm. I mean, I brought a lot of, uh, you know, because of my uh, travels and so on. Um, if there, if there never was an internet, uh, I probably would have been, I probably would have ended up uh, a billionaire, um, uh, you know, because I used to uh, uh, bring the toys back to, uh, to, to the collectors. Mm -hmm. No, I believe that I was the, um, the one who brought, um, you know, got involved heavily. Let's go back to Star Wars. 
uh, Yak Face with the coin, which is Power of the Force. Mm -hmm. um, I always tried to uh, look for the toys that that was uh, impossible to find. Um, I wanted to um, make people's collections um, perfect. Uh, and that's what I used to do. So when I found out that the Yak Face with the coin was only sold in Canada, um, I traveled to Canada. Uh, while I was in Canada, I um, I found some Yak Face with the coins um, or Power of the Force carded figures, but um, I got involved in Amigos. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, at the time, I, I met uh, somebody who introduced me to a factory. It was Amigo Factory. Um, and the Amigo Factory sold us the um, the eight inch um, superheroes, Batman, Superman, um, you know, I mean, just basically everything. Well, be also the 12 inch Spider-Mans. Yeah. So I bought the whole factory uh, at the time. And, oh. um, and I basically... We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures. DOV2, we have a engine failure. We almost crash land on DKE Toy Planet. Oh my, we're doomed. Wait, salvation. Hooray, we're saved in DOV2. Limited edition custom artist made action figures in DKE Toys. Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures. DKE uh, was the, uh, you know, I sent, sent everything back to America. Um, and um, I was living at the time uh, in Chicago. So mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, easy because it, was, it wasn't too far away from uh, Toronto. Um, but that's where, you know, I first looking, was looking for the uh, Yak Face with the coins. Um, and again, I ended up with the Migos. Um, and um, I had, you know, like mass amounts of... Uh, spider-man boxes and and so on and i still have some today but um going back with the ad face uh, when i went to london um i did a show there toy mm -hmm. show um i also got involved because you know for me uh, traveling uh i you know didn't want to get you know didn't want to uh, carry all these uh, heavy toys mm -hmm. so i got involved in uh, character watches um so basically uh, i used to take um I used to like say there was a there was a Popeye character watch or a Mickey Mouse character watch, um, and these are watches that came out in the fifties, sixties. Uh, uh, of course, the Mickey Mouse's uh, came out in the in the forties, uh, and I put the watches in a in a roll, uh, in a, and I rolled up the roll, uh, and I had about uh, maybe forty watches, mm -hmm. which also included uh, some um, exciting. Uh, uh, some, you know, designer watches too, um, yeah. you know, like, um, like electric Hamilton. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen an electric Hamilton, but it's kind of like, a it's like a, it's kind of like a weird shape, um, horizontal side, whatever, but uh, looked pretty good on the, on the hand. So it was a, it was a, it was an interesting watch. I wasn't involved in Rolexes because of the, the prices. I knew a lot about Rolexes because I have my friend in Japan, but I like the character watches because it kind of fit in with, uh, with what I was doing, selling toys. Mm -hmm. So I brought the watches uh, with, you know, my role to, uh, to London. A guy came over to my booth, uh, a dealer, and uh, he asked me if I traded. And I said, yes. He brought me over to his booth and uh, showed me 
uh, his uh, stock of uh, Yak Face with the coins, Power of the Force, um, which was amazing. I think he had like maybe a little over 100 pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought everything. I paid $35 a piece, but I didn't pay it. I traded my watches. I put $35 value. So a watch that I was selling for $350, I took 10, 10 uh, Yak Face with the coins. And I brought them back to America, and um, I put them in Toy Shop magazine for $150. Um, today, um, and of course, you know, I had a lot of dealers that were kind of always like, how many do you have left? When are you going to stop selling them? You know, I also bought the Anakin Skywalker. The guy had the Anakin Skywalker Power of the Force, which nobody in America wanted. Now, of course... Everybody wants it, but mm-hmm. you know they, they can't get it, and that's the reason why Yak Face with the coins today they go for about fifteen thousand and up. So I um, basically brought that market to America, uh, and uh, I believe that a lot of people, whoever had you know basically got a Yak Face, uh, probably got it for me uh, because <laughs> you know I had the stock; nobody else had it. Yeah, you. Um, so there's this cool thing that you do that you um that I I want to know what it is in you that makes you do it. You saw the Vigo the Migo um factory yep. and you wanted it all so you bought it. And then yep. with the Yak Face, you just bought it all. Like is it that you want to be the one that is doing this for uh the toy industry what is the because you you're buying up so much what was that yeah, like? i mean i used to uh, when i lived in chicago you know we i was lucky enough to uh to go to the uh, kane county toy show well, that's mm-hmm. kind of like to me that's still the best toy show in the world okay. um you know i just recently went to a show uh in york pennsylvania uh which was a couple of days ago and uh i um you know the shows are not like they you know i was always trying to look back to how the shows were back in the day. Yeah. So back in the day, what I used to do, um, I was a big Batman collector. Big. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking, you know, if you went to my apartment, the whole the whole apartment was the Batcave. It was uh, everything possible in Batman. And that's basically, in 1999, I sold the Batman collection that everybody, you know, thought, thought I was crazy, you know, to, uh, to uh, you know, well, what's this guy doing? And anyway, you know, especially my parents who thought I was like a some kind of a fool on the hill. And um, but I, you know, sold the whole collection for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Um, I sold it to um, another collector who who needed it. Um, and I had, you know, I kind of had every kind of every possible Batman toy. Mm-hmm. But um, what I used to do is go to all the shows and buy the uh, the uh, Taiwan Batmobiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, paid one hundred twenty five dollars each. Every show I went to, people here take it. You know, wow, you know, here, oh, here he is, that guy again. He's going to buy us out. I said, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I used to do. So I had probably accumulated maybe forty of them, forty or fifty of them back in the day. You know, and today, you know, come on, that Batmobile sells for twelve hundred. Yeah, you know, whatever. I um. Because I was a uh, commodities trader, uh, you know, international monetary market, I also had investments, you know, in my head. And uh, that's what I used to do. I believe that whatever I bought would eventually go up. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the time it did. You know, I, I started out doing this in uh, Japan when I bought the first Indiana Jones style uh, by a company called Toys McCoy. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, that doll was beautiful. It came in a large box. You opened it up, and it's a 12-inch uh, Indiana Jones. What I used to do is um, I used to sell the doll for um, $500. Mm -hmm. And I told uh, everybody, whoever bought the doll from me, that, you know, if they get tired of it after a year, they could sell it back to me, you know, at a profit, and I'll guarantee it. And that's exactly what I did. I bought them back to the back from the people at seven fifty, whenever they wanted to sell it back to me, and then uh, the the market went up to about a thousand, maybe twelve hundred. You know, I think don't think the market's there now, but you know, you got to know when to get out too. Yeah. Um. Now, now I'm a big collector. I uh, I uh, invest in uh, uh, art because. Um, Basically, I like uh, like uh, certain artists, like uh, a guy by the name of Cause mm -hmm. at uh, KAWS. I'm sure a lot of people know who Cause is, and a lot of people don't know who Cause is. But if they don't know who Cause is, they should look him up because he is the uh, to me the next um, the next biggest yeah uh, uh, artist. Um, you know, he's he's not there yet, even though he is there yet, considering of where where he was from uh, 2000. Yeah. But uh, what can I say? Uh, he's someone that uh, I think that if someone wants to invest in art or artists or people, um, they should invest in this guy uh, cause. Yeah. Um, there's one more thing that I want to mention, and that was the, um, for me, that was the most exciting uh, trip. But I, I used to do a lot of other ones too, but uh, the, um, it's called, I, I called, I named it the um, Blue Stars. Yeah, but, this um, is the story the, I was hoping you would tell. Yeah, this is from uh, the uh, Turkish Star Wars figure. You know, so um, I, uh, when I first uh, left America, you know, I my, my destination was uh, Istanbul mm -hmm. uh, from London, and we went overland and so on. So kind of, I knew that I knew Istanbul very. You know, that was my uh, my place. I love the uh, the market, the bazaar, the Turkish bazaar. Um, you know, that's where the Top Capi Museum is, the Top Capi Museum. Um, and a lot of a lot of you know interesting people there. Um I used to travel from Israel to um to uh, Istanbul on the weekends, a student rate, and I, I paid uh, $25 mm -hmm. uh each way. So it cost me 50 bucks to travel to Istanbul. So I would go there on uh, on a Friday and I would come back Sunday night. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, like I said, I, I I met a lot of people there. I used to buy a lot of uh, uh, different things. I like I, I used to get involved in the scarabs and, and so on. So um, I wasn't looking for toys at the time. Um, but when I was at a show in um, in Utrecht, which is in Holland, mm -hmm. um, that's where I first found the Turkish Star Wars figure. I mean, I didn't know it was Turkish, but but it was blue a blue snowtrooper. This guy had it. I paid him $35. Uh bought two of them. Um it was a blue snowtrooper and he also had it I remember uh, an Imperial Gunner. Mm -hmm. Uh and that was basically what it was is uh it was a uh, the picture on the card was a uh, like a like a calculator. Mm -hmm. And um and that they was a black uh, the Imperial Gunner of uh, a Star Wars figure. And on the card it said Uze U Z A Y, which is basically Star Wars in Turkish. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I went brought it back to America. Called up a friend of mine in Florida, 
There was no internet, couldn't send him a picture, but he believed what I had. You know, I told him I had a cool snowtrooper, blue, send it to me. So I sent it to him um, and he paid me $125. Um, and he said to me that if I, you know, once he got it, he said to me, if I ever go back to Turkey or ever you know, go back to Utrecht or Holland, he didn't think of Turkey, um, I would, um, if I can pick him up again. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I went back to Turkey, and uh, this was in uh, November because it was a November show. Went back in uh, October. Uh, no, October it was April. It was the uh, the the, uh, the the spring show. I think it was May, maybe. maybe. And um, and I saw the same guy, and the guy goes, you know, he's only got a couple left. Why don't I just get on a plane and go to Turkey? Great idea. So I um, I went to uh, in Holland. I bought a. Um, a, a, a you know round trip ticket you know from Amsterdam to Istanbul back to Amsterdam um and I took the card with me that I bought off of this guy thirty five dollars and I went to um Istanbul um I had the address on the back of the card uh hopped in the cat taxi took me to uh bottom of the hill mm -hmm. and I said how do I get you know how do I get up you know I mean I'm not gonna walk up there and he goes like there's your transportation, which was a camel and a donkey. Yeah. So uh, I, I hopped on a camel. Uh, the guy actually, you know, and, uh, you know, I was familiar with that because I lived in the Middle East. Um, I have, I have, I have uh, ridden uh, camels before, um, you know, just for, for me, it was like a joke. But uh, now I really needed uh, this guy's help. So he took me up the, up the mountain on the camel. And um, and we had the donkey, you know, on the way back, you know, it was like tied with a rope because uh, I knew that I was going to buy something and I needed to bring that stuff down. Mm -hmm. And I used the donkey to bring it down. Anyway, I arrived there. There was a, it was a like a fortress. I mean, huge, huge, uh, you know, uh, uh, building, uh, looked like a castle. Guy comes out, he's wearing a white kaftan, um, you know, with a headdress. Uh, he said to me, um, you know, where I come from, I told him America, and um, do I have a family? You know, I told him, of course I do, and I, how many children? I told him I had like seven, seven children, but mm -hmm. I don't, I didn't have any family, I didn't have any children, but yeah. you know, that makes the the, the uh, talking a lot better, you know, stronger, you know, I wanted him to think that I uh, knew what I was doing, so um, anyway, he uh, introduced me to his uh uh, Uze's. I bought. I bought. You know everything that he had there exactly again. Uh, paid a dollar a piece for him. Um, I bought the uh, Blue Stars. I bought. Uh, I bought the Imperial Gunner. I mean, I bought a lot of figures. I can't remember exactly which ones I bought, but they're all Uze figures. Um, and then he told me on the way out, he said, uh, "You can come back uh, anytime you want. I can make more for you." So I said, uh, let me think about that. So, of course, you know, I never came back. I didn't want that market to change. I brought him back to America. Um, I put him on the donkey. We went down, put him on the plane, shipped him back or carried him back, hand carried. Um, and I sold him for $100 each. I have uh, friends of mine who told me that um, I would never sell them. They're bootlegs. No one's going to buy bootlegs. All negative. I love negativity. When everybody tells me it's negative or negative uh, stories or whatever, I I love that because to me that makes me feel that I got something good. 
So yeah. I don't listen to people. I do what I, I want to do. When Steve Sansweet was basically, he's the guy who works for George Lucas. When he called me up one day and said, I hear that you have these Uze figures. Mm-hmm. And um, can you sell me? Can you sell me? Uh, I'll, I'll buy a whole set. I said, yeah, done. I sold them to him for $100 each. So when Steve Sansweet bought the Uze's from me, Mm-hmm. As a strong collector of Star Wars, I knew I had gold. Uh, today, uh, you know, and then, of course, a good friend of mine, his name is Paul Chu. He never bought the Star Wars from me because I didn't know who Paul Chu was at the time. But Paul Chu is a good friend of mine and a collector. Mm-hmm. And he has a, one of the blue stars, I'm sure, that I originally sold in America. He bought it. I don't know what he paid for it. But today they go for about twenty, twenty thousand, twenty-five thousand dollars yeah so, so i have, might ask do i have any left no yeah. i don't keep anything and i don't regret it i have a couple of questions that kind of go yeah. along with this you you yeah. on a whim went to this place in hopes that it was there one does this place still exist uh i mean who knows what's still over there but if this castle place still exists and then two are you the person that probably brought this to the u.s for the first time well i definitely know i'm i am the guy who brought it for the first time okay you know again i i also brought the uh, you know that's another one for you know anytime there was a figure that was being sold overseas that we couldn't get in america mm-hmm. uh, there that that was my uh my job yeah uh, you know and now it's the you know you know people can just push a button and get this shit so at the time nobody Nobody, there was no way to push a button. You gotta, you know, I mean, I knew how to fly. You know, I flew, I, I flew, uh, believe it or not, on the uh, on the Concorde, the Air Concorde. Wow. You know, I was flying the the, the speed of sound uh, from, um, I went, to, when I went to New York to London, I think I got there in, uh, what, three hours mm-hmm. or, or less. Um, and then I flew back on uh, Air France, the Air France. Of course, Concorde doesn't exist anymore. But, um yeah, I, I love to fly. So uh, when I went, uh, when I found out that the um, there was this uh, Marvel Secret Wars mm-hmm. and there was Electro, Constrictor, and Iceman, um, you know, I mean, when I found out they were in Barcelona, I said, man, you know, because I, again, I used to travel. I've been to Barcelona many times before, France. Um, I, uh, in my uh, travels, I met, uh, believe it or not, uh, in the south of France, you know, this is going away from the subject of the electric constrictor and Iceman, but I met in the south of France uh, one time uh, a girl who said, uh, you know who my boyfriend is? And I said, uh, no. And she goes, uh, well, have you ever heard of the who? And I said, yeah. We said, well, that's the, uh, you know, John Entwistle, the bass player from the who. And of course, you know, I, I wasn't really a who fan at the mm-hmm. time. Um, you know, I was more into the the Stones, uh, whatever. But uh, I mean, I was also more into traveling. Um, you know, like I said, I I didn't do too much with the uh, with the music uh, at the time, except that you know I did see Jimi Hendrix back in the day. But um, we became best of friends. I mean, John Entwistle and I. I mean, I stayed at John Entwistle's house. Um, I was a uh, I became a Who fan. A Who, uh, what can I say? Uh, you know, can I say big fan of who, of, of the who? Um, 
And uh, we were good friends. You know, I actually bought a guitar off of him. Not bought, but we traded. Going back to Electric Concerto and Iceman, um, that was in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. uh, so I hopped in a cab, and I took the cab for the whole day. Um, and I basically rented him out. Um, and he just stopped at every uh, convenience store possible. And I just loaded up on Constrictor, Constrictor Electro, and Iceman. Beautiful figures. And uh, shipped them all back to America. And um, I put an ad in the Toy Shop magazine. Mm -hmm. And I had a Comic-Con at my house. Holy jeez. Yeah. When you there's a time period between the time in which you are in Chicago and then before right before you move to New York. Yeah. Um, what is that time period? And then what made you choose to move to New York and open a shop? Well, the I I wasn't going to New York to open a shop. I was just going to New York to go to New York. Yeah. Um, but I I I came back from um what do you call it? From uh Japan. Yep. And, um, you know, I was uh, I was actually out of the uh, the, the commodities or, or the international monetary market um, because, you know, as I traveled, I had um, people working for me. Um, and there was one time when someone worked for me and, um, you know, I didn't realize what happened, but something really bad happened that this guy stole a trade and the trade went into my account. And then, you know, I, I, I took the hit because it was. Uh, it went in my account, mm -hmm. but it was from a from a, tra a a guy who worked for me. I don't know how he did it, whatever he did, whatever. But anyway, they threw me off the exchange uh, for a year. Uh, and then after I after the year, I went back. And then I just sold the seat. I took the money um, and I decided to leave Chicago and I went to New York. Um, I was born in New York, I was born in Brooklyn. So to me, it was, uh, you know, it was great. I um, when I went back to uh, New York. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, lived in, uh, right on second Avenue, which was, um, there was a, uh, a place called, um, it was, uh, seventh, seventh street in the East village. Yeah. And I started, uh, my first thing was, is I started this, um, the showroom NYC. Um, and in 2000, um, uh, you know, I mean, I had like a lot of shows there, you know, it was yeah. a gallery, an art gallery. Um, we had the train show. That's where uh, basically I met all the graffiti artists, including Scene. Uh, I didn't know, um, I never met Futura, but that was the first time I met Futura. That was the first time I met Cause. Um, and it was the, uh, we had over 100 trains. Thursday night, 7 p.m. YouTube Live, it's Toys Alive! Toys Alive! Toys Alive! There's way cool artist unboxing. No Accounts under a thousand followers. What? Art out there for 30 bucks or less. Collector spotlight. Ooh, Current upcoming shows and drops. Drop. Giveaways. What? Short chats with artists. News from the hood. 100% indie all the time. That's, That's Toys Alive! Thursday nights, 7 p.m. PST, YouTube Live. That different artists um, basically uh, created what they did their thing on. Mm -hmm. um, that was in this um, the showroom. I was living in the back of the showroom. So I had that before I opened Toy Tokyo. Or I, you know, basically, there was no more It's a Small World, Toy Tokyo. And I opened Toy Tokyo in 2000. Um, uh, you know, but uh, I was dealing with the showroom um and we had shows you know i had the mezco uh i mean everybody uh even uh shepherd fairy uh yeah. okay 
Um, I did a show with him. So uh, we we have a lot of history in New York. I like New York. I mean, now I'm not living in New York anymore, but that's okay. I live close to New York. Yeah. When you opened this shop, yeah, uh, Toy Tokyo, you you yeah. opened it in 2000. Is split with the gallery, so you're kind of running a couple different things. Yep. Um, the early toy scene in the U.S. as far as like designer toys and things was very new. It seems like. So, what was the the market like, and what was it that, what was it like being in the the this type of toy scene in 2000? Yeah, it was very new. I mean, um, I the first toys I brought over from uh, Hong Kong uh, was uh, Michael Lau. Okay. And um, and people couldn't get a, a, a you know the the uh, the collectors of uh, Star Wars and action figures and GI Joe they couldn't understand uh, what you know what this designer thing is I mean you know there was a dog yeah. which was uh, Michael Lau dog actually he had two kind two different kinds and I was selling the dog for um, I think it was two hundred and fifty dollars mm-hmm. and uh, and you know again people were like you know they they pulled me aside and. A lot of these uh, collectors and said, Lev, uh, you know, I mean, I hope you know what you're doing because mm-hmm. uh, no one's going to pay $250 for a dog. Yeah. Final dog, you know, and I'm not selling my collection. And, you know, over the years, um, people started to sell their collections just to get that dog. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, I, I, I don't listen to, I, I just, I just keep going. Um it's the same thing with uh, with Funko. Yeah, I mean that would you know right in the beginning. I mean I got involved in Funko before Funko it was what it is today. There was no Funko Pop. There was these Funko bobbleheads that was uh, brought you know introduced by a guy by the name of Mike Becker. Mm-hmm. And, um, I lo- I mean I really liked that those figures. I mean uh, to me that was uh, to me that was uh, the future. You know, after the designer toys, yeah. um, and after the ad toys, you know, there's a lot of there's the advertisement toys, like as I mentioned before, Sony Boy, and um, um, they, you know, they made them in different sizes. Um, and anyway, there was uh, there's so many advertisement advertisement ad toys that um, that I collected mm-hmm. uh, that I introduced to a lot of uh, collectors, and the uh, these um, these bobbleheads were were pretty cool. Uh, wacky wobblers, as they called them, and uh, we had a few ex- uh, exclusives ourselves, like the um, I remember the ice cream, Mr. Softy. Yeah, uh, that was um, one of our exclusives. I think in different flavors. I think we got strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate, or maybe just vanilla and chocolate. Um, and then there, um, yeah, and then the pops came later, and that was brought up by uh, a guy, a guy by the name of Brian Mariotti. Who actually um, um, actually bought the company from Mike Becker, and then had you know asked Mike Becker if he wanted to continue on, and Mike Becker of course he continued on, and that's where he is today. Um, but Brian is not there anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I uh, again I was collecting uh, all the original Funko Pops from the beginning. I'll never forget uh, one of the first. Um, Ones that I bought, uh, actually, uh, not bought, I got it at a show, mm-hmm. Fun Days, because Fun Days was uh, something that they introduced um, during the uh, San Diego Comic-Con, yeah. when you know, everybody would get a table, and they would sit down and eat, and 
and have fun and talk and so on. And and then there were, you know, giveaways. You know, I remember getting the uh, the the Dumbo, the Dumbo that looked like it's like the uh, the elephant with a kind of a, looked like a clown. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and people used to come up, you know, like Lev, you want to you want to trade? I said no. Nah. So I always I always like to to keep what I got because to me that's a kind of like lucky. And I didn't want to just you know flip it or trade it. And I kept it, which I kept, you know, I kept a lot of the early Funko Pops, um, which I uh, particularly like. Yeah. Yeah. When you, this is where there's kind of some overlap as well with the resin bootleg scene, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, this is when you start meeting uh, David Healy and uh, oh, yeah. uh, Sucklord. And yeah. so how did you come to meet them and how did they kind of be intertwined with you? Well, yeah, I mean, we, since we have a store and we have an amazing location, uh, yeah. everybody came to Toy Tokyo. That's where I met a lot of people, including Cause, um, you know, for the first time. Because I, uh, and they used to come there. I think David Healy, uh, I think maybe he might have helped, helped us out, either work for us or helped us out, mm-hmm. something like that. Suck Lord, of course, he was doing his own thing. Yeah, um, and I, you know, I mean, again, it was uh, it was all uh, new, uh, unique, interesting, and uh, I liked it. I like what they're doing, or like what they're doing. Yeah. After a while, um, things change. You know, I mean, it's like, why do things change? You know, generations. Yeah. Uh, you know, young young kids now are not into so much there they want uh they're more into the uh the telephone mm-hmm. in other words they um they spend a lot of time on the telephone and more time on the telephone than on collecting so um you know it's a it's a whole different world so you got to really know what to um what will keep going and yeah. what won't keep going and that's uh important um but i believe that um if you like what you like then you like it. I mean, there's no reason to dislike something because uh, maybe it won't really be worth any money uh, in the future. But if that, you know, if that's what, you know, there are people who only collect because of the money. Right. And there are people who collect because what they like. Um, I collect what I like. Yeah. And I don't collect about what there's money because I mean, um, but it's true. I don't know. For some reason, I kind of like stayed away from, from the, from the things that didn't don't really have value in them, like mm-hmm. for example, Beanie Babies. Yeah. You know, I remember that people were going crazy on Beanie Babies at the time. I didn't collect them. They were going crazy on um, on Kid Robot, on the Dunny. Yeah, I didn't collect them. So, um, I mean, kind of lucky that I collected what I liked. I mean, it's nice to know that, of course, uh, what you collect has value yeah because if um it doesn't have value okay like i said it doesn't really matter you like it it's yeah. cool but having value is also cooler yeah yeah were you the so you started meeting some of these big artists at yeah. this time uh cause and did you help them kind of switch from graffiti or street art to toys did you help them get plugged in how did did you have any hand in that um no they they were doing they were doing toys from the beginning there was okay. no there was no i mean like again 
So how it works is like this. Uh, when I was in Japan, um, there was a guy who came to the show. It was in uh, Tokyo. Yeah. And uh, this was in, um, I believe, uh, maybe 1999. Mm -hmm. In 1999, um, uh, a guy, I remember, um, was setting up. And he was setting up um, these uh, companions. Yeah. Um, they're the uh, the eight-inch companions. Um, and he had a, a row of the black, a row of the gray, and a row of the brown. Uh, that's all he had on his table. So I went over to him. I said, uh, how much are these? And he gave me a price. And I said, what if I buy, again, the whole table? Yeah. And um, And that's exactly what I did. I bought him out. I bought the whole table. And um, again, because I wanted him to uh, have fun, go home, whatever. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to say, you know, I mean, I paid him the price that he wanted. So what did it matter? So I took all of those companions, cause, I didn't even know who the artist was. I didn't yeah. care. I liked I liked the way it looked. Yeah. That's how I used to do things with, uh, even with Futura. I used to buy, I mean, I thought Futura looked like the figure that I was buying, you know, cause I didn't know how he looked or it didn't really matter. I didn't care. I just bought it because of the way it looked mm -hmm. anyway. So I took the companions, put it underneath the table. Other people might've sold it at the show. I know people used to do that, buy from a dealer and resell it as a show. No, not, I didn't. I brought it back to America. Yeah. And I knew I was opening Toy Tokyo um, in 2000 and I put them in my store for sale. And I was selling them um, at the time, I believe I put $125 on it. Mm. But now I found out, or then I found out that just down the street uh, at the new museum in the Bowery, because my store was on 2nd Avenue on 7th Street. But in the Bowery, there was um, an exhibition that this artist cause was selling those same figures mm. um, for... Um, $99, I believe. And, um, but, you know, by the time I got there anyway, they were all sold out. So I, uh, so, you know, again, I was happy that I bought the the guy out in, um, in, um, in, uh, in Japan and I sold him in my store for $125. Yeah. And, um, and today those figures sell for 5,000. Yeah. 4,000. Yeah. So, so we're in probably about the mid 2000s at this point. Yep. Um, walk me through Toy Tokyo and and how it's kind of evolved from maybe 2008 ish until I guess right now. Like, what does it look like for Toy Tokyo over the years to evolve with the toy scene and what's happening and all those things? Well, right now, I um, you know we um, when we started compared to when we started to where it is today. Yeah, there's a lot of collectors. I mean, I just like the fact that, you know, people collect, could collect anything, but there are, you know, I see the, uh, the excitement. Yeah. I see the excitement of people coming in. We have a lot of these, uh, mystery boxes, closed toys. I mean, you know, you get, a, a you know, a special figure, you know, you might be the lucky one to get that special figure. Yeah. Uh, but again, going back, back to the day when I used to, um, I brought I brought all these from Japan because Japan was the one who created the mystery box. Yeah. Um, and in America, 
uh, it, it was very difficult to sell these to uh, other dealers because everybody told me that there's no way that someone is going to want to buy something that they can't see. Yeah. I'll never forget a lot of the dealers or a lot of the big store guys or people told me that, again, I was crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, you're never going to sell them. People want to see what they buy. And I said, no, people are excited to get something special that they can't see. And they're lucky enough to get. And they didn't understand that. And today, that's one of the hottest things in yeah. our store. People love to buy to get that lucky one that, that you know, okay, I mean, I don't know what the value is, but you know, there's got to be some value to that special one out of a thousand or one out of 300 or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, oh my God, I got the luck. Oh man, you know, whatever. You hear the excitement that, you know, people open the box and, you know, a lot, of course, they'll take them home and I'm sure they'll be screaming and shouting when they get the lucky one. But anyway, to me, that's exciting. Um, like I said, uh, people, uh, they're, you know, they, they come to Toy Tokyo because, um, you know, that's another thing here, uh, legit. In other words, uh, we have, we have the real thing. In other yeah. words, there's a lot of, a lot of fakes, too many yeah. fakes out there. Um, and the fakes are, I mean, you can open up your, um, open up the internet and uh, you can see, uh, you know, the people selling, uh, uh, prints or paintings or, uh, or actually figures that, uh, you know, that of cause of Futura that are not real. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, again, you know, it depends on, you know, people should know depending on the price, you know, if it's like cheap and you believe that it should be more than what it is, then, you know, for sure it's, 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 it's a fake or, that we call that a, I wouldn't call that a, a bootleg. I call that a reproduction. Yeah. Um, but it's not. It's it's not good. It's not good because they they mention uh, the artist's name like mm -hmm. Cause or Future and so on. Um, and uh, you know just the, the mention of the name, which is you know they're not saying it it is, but they put like a cause there, and people are like oh my god, because um, a lot of people come to me and they yeah. want to show me what they have. They want to ask me if it's real. And unfortunately, most of the time, um, I tell them that it's not, <laughs> and they they get they get so upset, you know. I mean, well, I mean, I didn't sell it to them, but then again, they come to Toy Tokyo to buy the real thing. We we you know that's what we specialize in, and yeah. I noticed that over the years. So, but again, I know a lot of people who have fakes and they love fakes because, what the hell? They don't care. It uh, makes them happy. Yeah, but that's cool too. Whatever they, whatever makes you happy is cool. In the earlier part of the 2000s and, and, and kind of when eBay and those things start coming out, um, you had talked about how that kind of screwed things up. Um, one, how did you pivot so quickly and, and adapt to continue? But also, do you miss being the guy that goes places to bring stuff here? No, no, no. I, I don't miss that. I mean, I enjoyed that I did it. Yeah. You know, going back to these places is not the same as it used to be. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I spent one year in India. Wow. I mean, it's like, you know, I went back to India a couple years after that, and it wasn't the same. Okay. Um, it's never going to be the same. Now, now you got to really be careful. I mean, it's like, again, living in Israel, I lived in Israel for six years. 
I mean, whatever. I mean, now you will live in Israel and you're you may never come home. You're gonna yeah. be shot or a high or a, taken as a hostage. I mean, forget about it. I mean, it's just really sad what's going on in the world. So am I happy to be home? Yes. Am I happy that I'm not traveling? Yes. I mean, my traveling is, you know, a California, that's okay, going to shows. Um, but um, but I like I said, I mean, the the collectible thing is 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 happening. Yeah, uh, people are uh, again. Uh, there's a lot of things to to collect. Uh, you know, I would um, I would collect. You know, artists. Um, I still think cause is uh, is um, just the beginning. Yeah, you know, people say that. You know, a lot of uh, many uh, five six years ago, people told me cause is over. Cause is not over. Um, I think, like I said, just the beginning. So you again, you gotta you gotta really like the artist, um, or like any artist. There's many artists out there. There's yeah. Ron English out there, um, you know, and you know you just gotta like what what these artists do. But I think uh, the uh, art art toys are 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 pretty cool. Um, and as far as the Star Wars, um, unfortunately, the the problem is that nowadays, you know, back in the day, people didn't make uh, as many uh, toys as they make today yeah so um and many times uh these toys uh because they make so many uh they go um they go on sale in different places and um you know you really got to be careful on uh, what you buy somehow yeah. you got to know the the numbers um i still say investing in the uh the the original toys mm-hmm. um uh, is is good if you can pick it up at a at a at a decent price. Uh, unfortunately, cause is now uh, the older toys that cause produced back in the day. I mean, there were only like five hundred pieces, maybe six seven hundred pieces um, uh, of these toys. Uh, going back to cause again, you know the Star Wars toys. That was another reason why I knew that this guy was a winner because. Um, these Star Wars toys that he did was uh, official. Yeah. You're talking about uh, there has not been any artist that I can recall that has ever altered um, a um, a Boba Fett mm. or has ever altered a Darth Vader or has ever altered a Stormtrooper. Same with Disney. There has never been an artist that has ever altered um, Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. caused it and um that's the reason why i also thought this guy is um uh, is going to be is, is going to be big yeah. um coming soon i know that uh, there's a talk about the um the monsters like frankenberry blueberry and Kong yeah Trump. and i know that uh causes that that's going to be coming out uh everything was uh more or less delayed because of the pandemic but uh one day that'll that'll happen and when that happens, um, I would recommend everybody to anybody to uh, jump on that. Yeah. From the beginning. When you look at Toy Tokyo as a whole, from when you began until now, um, where do you hope that Toy Tokyo is headed? Because you've got so much history behind you, and you've already you are a staple in the toy community at large. What do you want next for Toy Tokyo? Just keep going. I mean, uh, we're going to be, like I said, 24 years 
Yeah. I don't think there's any uh, toy stores that that has lasted that long in New York. Um, you know, Toys R Us is out. FAO Schwartz is out. Um, you know, most of all these toys are toy stores are out. Well, Toys R Us was, you know, basically still around, but they're working in Macy's, which yeah. is, you know, pretty cool. But I, I, uh, I like what we're, I like our location. Uh, we pay the crazy, crazy amount of rent. Maybe that's another reason why stores can't last that long. But even though we have, even though the rent were, you know, what what we're kind of like uh, paying, uh, we still we still are making it. I like the fact that um, there's always going to be something new, yeah, uh, something exciting, and uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Toy Tokyo will have it in their store. Uh, I still like to see the uh, reactions of uh, uh, customers when they come in. Um, they do um, flip out. Mm -hmm. They do uh, go crazy. I mean, they do kind of like, you know, the there's excitement there. And that's what uh, makes me happy. Um, back in the day, I thought I missed the boat when I didn't uh, open a, a restaurant. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of friends of mine making money with the restaurants they opened. Uh, but that uh, that came to a stop when yeah. the when the pandemic came uh all of a sudden these restaurants are uh were out of going out of business but toy tokyo kept going mm -hmm. in fact um we were lucky to uh renew our lease at a better price um due to the fact that there was a pandemic and everybody was closing the stores yeah but our store stayed open um and it's stronger than ever um because People like to collect. They they like to uh, the memories that they had when they were kids. Even though they don't, they're not going to get the same toys. But they're they um, they want to um, they want to get something to uh, to make them happy. And yeah. that's basically toys. That's something that toys does. Uh, food makes people happy, but toys makes people happier. Yeah, uh, Lev, it's been incredible to have you on the podcast today. The amount of history that you have for one person in this toy scene is so crazy. Um, as we wrap this up, yeah. I know that we usually talk uh, for on the podcast. We usually leave the last bit so people can plug all the stuff that they've got going on. Um, and so if you want to take that time, plug whatever you've got going on. If there's stuff coming up, if you're going to be at designer con, all those things. Well, DesignerCon is coming up. Uh, we are not going to be showing at DesignerCon because it was that difficult to get people to um, to come out yeah. uh, to DesignerCon from the East Coast to the West Coast. But I'll be there. Um, yeah, because um, I'm going to see some of my friends who are coming from out of town. Uh, I think DesignerCon is going to be cool. Um, and I, um, not that I think, but I, I know it's going to be okay. Um, and I'll be there uh, after Designer Con uh, next year. Uh, who knows? But I know there was a uh, a Star Wars uh, convention uh, happening in uh, Japan. Yep, I'm pretty sure that I'll be there. But when I think sometime in maybe in May, most likely May the fifth, uh, around that time. Um, and uh, for sure, we do uh, New York Comic Con as always. Uh, we don't do San Diego, but we do New York and. Uh, Anyway, you stop at uh, Toy Tokyo, which is at uh, 91 Second Avenue in New York, East Village, um, and um, see a store that's been there for, uh, what, 20, 
four years going on next year. Love, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Enjoy. Enjoy.